Welcome to the Fiddleman and Company podcast, where we sit down with startup founders, entrepreneurs, and trailblazers, not only to learn the ins and outs of their founding journeys, but also to understand what it takes to successfully scale a company. I'm your host, Jeffrey Fiddleman, and without further ado, let's jump right into the show. James, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. Before we get into it, I'd love to give you a chance to introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and uh, then we can get into our podcast. Outstanding. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's a pleasure and an honor. I know we've worked together in the past and wouldn't turn down the opportunity to hop on a podcast with you and share some thoughts. A little bit about myself, James Dix, President CEO of DIX Developments, uh, and that's probably just kind of the the baseline of what I do. I'm a serial entrepreneur by trade. So I've pretty much been there and done everything. Just finished two, three-year tours with the Department of Defense as a special employee where I was appointed by the Secretary of Defense to lead a program here in Florida for the 35,000 Guard and Reserve. I'm still active with, the, with that project as the State Boss Lift Coordinator. So I'm all about giving back. Quite frankly, that's probably where I spend a tra- tremendous amount of my time is giving back because I do believe that one that allows me to network with more people, but also to make a positive difference in my community. I currently sit on the Sheriff's Foundation for the Orange County Sheriff's Foundation, the Osceola County Sheriff's Foundation, the Seminole County Sheriff's Foundation, and the Orlando Police Foundation. Uh, and so constantly, you know, helping them raise money and specifically supporting those that are on the front line, those first responders that, you know, are out there in harm's way that are answering your call when you're dialing 911. So that's an important thing that I do pretty much every single day. And when I'm not doing all that, I'm basically developing land. And we're actually doing a lot of vertical components to that development. And I think we can have some great things to talk about in today's podcast, specifically with all the crazy things that are going on with inflation and the Fed's raising rates and what's going to happen in the next 18 months. So I'm looking forward to that. That's just a little bit about myself and looking forward to sharing more. So if I'm in trouble and in Florida, I know who to call. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Florida, yes, you can give me a call. I've I've got a, a few badges I can help you get out of trouble. <laughs> Just joking. Don't get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> so 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 James, you have, you know, an awesome background, as you mentioned, serial entrepreneur. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're up to today? What's kind of the main project that you've you've been pouring your heart and soul into? Yeah, sure. Well, in 2017, you know, we've kind of just looked around and thought that, you know, it's a great opportunity to kind of get back into the to the land development side and pulling down properties. And that's what we kind of did. We really went kind of slow, sold the first project. And then about the time COVID hit, we had several projects that we were kind of looking at and we just felt like, hey, this is a great time to really, you know, put our foot on the gas. And and again, that's what we did at that time. And now we're sitting on probably if you want to put a number on it, maybe a billion dollars worth of finished development, that would be like all the houses, the mixed use and the commercial and so forth, all developed out. Um, and so that takes a lot of time. We're still buying property. We're a little more cautious right now. But if you think about the kind of the stuff that we do, it's really more specific as to where you know the economy is and the entitlement process. That takes anywhere from 12 to 18 months. So, you know, really there's a hiccup in the economy. It's not really going to affect us much. We have no leverage. So, you know, and I may sound like I know what I'm doing, but trust me, 
it's been a long road and I've made a lot of mistakes. Well, not mistakes. I've generated a lot of experience as to what not to do. So I think we're in a good spot right now and we're really excited of what we have to go. We kind of had a background. My family's been, you know, I'm a seventh generation Floridian. My family's been farming for probably, you know, almost 80 years and we still farm to this day. And so I have a real good relationship with a lot of uh, the old time farmers, cattle ranchers and so forth. And a lot of the properties we take down, we find out that are multi-generational properties and that the kids or the grandkids are just like, you know, you want us to do what? No, we're not farming anything. You know, we don't care. Sell it. We don't want it. And so they're faced with a few, uh, you know, a few uh, options that they have to make. And, you know, I think over the last six months, we've seen a lot of this stuff peak out as far as the maximum price that they can get per acre. And a lot of farmers, old-time farmers have said, okay, you know, now's the time. Let's get out. Um, but they're faced with the same problems everybody else in America is if I sell today, where am I going to go? Right. Uh, it's not that easy to buy something. It's a seller's market. And so, you know, we've kind of navigate through all of that stuff and we've got some great projects. We're probably sitting on about four or 5,000 residential lots and, you know, I don't know, a million square feet of commercial and probably about 15 to 1600 uh, multifamily and about four different projects that we're doing the vertical on. So there's a lot there. We can dissect whatever you want, but happy to talk more about it. Oh man, a lot to unpack there. You know what? I do want to get into the background of how you started all of that. But before we do that, tell me, I'm sure a lot of the listeners would be curious around, you know, you're in real estate buying these properties. I understand you're not leveraged, but what about the interest rate environment? Like where do you see real estate going now? So that's a good question. A friend of mine uh, owns one of the largest mortgage companies in America and and not, I mean, he's, you know, he's underwriting, so he's not just you know, a broker, but he's got a big team behind him. And so they can see about 18 months out. So I have a little bit of luxury there to kind of see what's going on on the retail marketplace for residential. And in there's going to be areas within the U S that don't quite make it to recession or have as long of a recession, if that's even right. I mean, I think you can probably talk way more intelligent than I can when we start getting into two year and 10 year yield curves and inverted yield curves. And, you know, are they, you know, recessionary pre indications or not, but in Florida, people are coming here and they're not going to stop coming here. The only thing that'll put a little dampening on that is when people can't sell their homes in other states to get out of them to move to sunny Florida or Texas or Arizona or some, you know, Nashville, Tennessee. Those are some hot air, Charlotte, North Carolina. So I think, you know, as these interest rates start to go up, I mean, literally, you're talking in January, you were buying, you know, a rate at like, say, three and a quarter. And today it's more like 6%. It may even be higher than that by the the end of the year. So that's going to slow things down a little. But uh, bottom line is people are still coming. We have a huge backlog of people that want homes. I saw the other day, just in the Orlando area, it's probably 70,000 apartments negative. Can't even tell you how many homes, two-year supply of homes that are in the hole. So those will start to wane out. Some of that's been pressure being put on them from supply issues. But a lot of the builders have kind of worked through that and figured out how to kind of manage that. And inflation doesn't help either. I mean, listen, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that three points versus six points and you're affording half the house. Um, and that's definitely going to stop people from being able to buy what they want. And so we're going to see some of that. Again, my projects are so big. I've got inflation hedges. I think I've got risk aversion tied up because I've got commercial, I've got retail, I've got industrial, I've got residential, and I've got multifamily. And I think some of those are inflationary hedges as well as recessionary. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So, so back, to, back to the business 
and and maybe even for others who are out there listening that that maybe want to start their own, whether it's real estate portfolio or development projects, how how did you get started? I know I know there was kind of some background and 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 you grew up in the area, but how did you really get get started? When would you say the flip the the switch flip, so to speak, from hey, this is something my family did to now this is something James is doing. This is my business. These are my properties. You know, were you fundraising? Were you levering? Were you how how did you begin to build a proper portfolio for yourself? I think that's a great question. I can kind of sum that up a little bit for you, but I mean it's so essentially when I got out of the Marine Corps, as most Marines are, ten feet tall and bulletproof, I decided, okay, you know what? I know a lot about real estate. I mean, I was a stockbroker going into the Marine Corps, so I'm I'm familiar with the capital markets and so forth certainly familiar with real estate family's been doing it forever. And so I said, you know, I'm just, I'm going to go take that knowledge. I'm going to just do it literally just going to make phone calls and do it. So I started buying houses, flipping houses, started renting houses that turned into multifamily that turned into hundreds of units. And that turned into selling some of those. And then that turned into a lack of experience and understanding, you know, leverage and, you know, risk aversion. And so then, you know, we got hit with uh, the late nineties and similar to kind of where we're at now and was over leveraged, had a difficult time getting out of some of my properties. So I learned a lot that took two or three years and then essentially was in the financial markets when, and had some big projects underway in 07 when the next cycle hit, wasn't quite as leveraged, but it was way worse as you know. And so nobody was out there lending any money and Really, at that point in time, it became probably more prudent, which what we did was just pulled back. Uh, we lost a few deposits. We didn't get hurt too bad, but it did take another three to four years to kind of reorganize. And uh, we kind of got back into the market doing a few deals here and there. And then in 2017, you know, we were, you know, doing our, our first bigger project at that point. But I think really, you know, to answer your question is it's really simple, right? It sounds complicated, but you just pick up the phone and you make a phone call. It doesn't matter if you're calling your friend and you're asking them about what they do in real estate or how they bought their house or are there any opportunities around there or you're calling a private investor just off the off the internet or you're calling somebody like yourself that has a tremendous amount of knowledge that they could bring on to the team and help with their capital stack. Just simply, you know, layman's term meaning, you know, all the people that want to invest and borrow, I mean, and put money into your deal is your capital stack. And, you know, you'll kind of learn through that. The easiest thing to do is say you're going to do it and do it. Those phone calls will actually lead to action and knowledge, and that will find yourself in your first deal. You know, I might get that printed and, and hung up here on in my office. <laughs> just do it. If you want to do it, just do it. I think it. you're making uh, fun of me. Struggling. No, here. no, no. I love boy. it. I mean, it's, it's, something <laughs> that I, it's something that I say to a lot of people that I work with, too. It's kind of, you know, just just do it. You know, Nike got it right. You got it right. And, and it's really just about having an idea and executing on it, whatever that looks like, whether you need to learn and fail a million times over, uh, as long as you continue doing whatever you need to do for the business, you will eventually get kind of break through that brick wall, so to speak. And today's um, easier than ever. I mean, yeah, I did, when I grew up, there was no Google. Right. I mean, there's nothing you can't look up on Google. Now you can't go up. I mean, I've tried, by the way, but you can't go look up how to be a land developer and get anything that was substance. The only way that's going to happen is to dive in and start navigating the 
the shark infested water, so to speak. And it's not a mistake, right? It's just another experience. It's another lesson learned. And when you add all of those up, no problem. For those that are younger out there and thinking about what we're talking about, good for you because, you know, you've got a long road ahead of you. There's lots of opportunity and don't worry about real estate cycles. They happen. I've been through many of them, you know, three or four years of setting up for another four or five years of a great real estate market and then another three or four years and you just work through and become risk adverse through all those cycles and you'll get it. And for those that are older, I mean, listen, I mean, look at your life in five-year, 10-year increments. Look what you did the last five years or the last 10 years and think about what you're going to do in the next five or 10 years because 50 is the new 25. You just got to get out there and do it and make it happen. I love it. So, so look, in terms of team and company and, you know, continuing to build new projects, acquiring land, um, you know, the process is not a simple one for any one project, let alone a portfolio of projects. So tell us a little bit about, you know, team composition. Do you have co-founders? Is it just you with a team under you? How did you build that team? You know, what does, what does the organization look like? Another good question, but it's not really fair, right? So it's a specific point in time that you're asking me that question. But if you really go back, I can say I've done it all, right? I've had partners. I didn't have partners. I had, you know, co-founders. I had investors. I had 506Cs and Bs, private placements. You know, I've been through all of those things. Where I'm at today is a culmination of learning all those lessons in the past. And, you know, essentially, I just have one group of guys that fund all my deals. We pay cash for everything. We have no leverage. We have no problem getting leverage. It just depends on the project, right? Leverage is not a bad thing, but it is something that you know you need to have some experience in so that you're not over leveraged. Specifically, whenever you're buying land, you should have no leverage. If you're going to take on leverage, it means you're leveraging a component of that land development, like the commercial, the retail, the multifamily, and then you're going to have some leverage component to that. But I mean, there's a lot of people out there like yourself that have that inherent knowledge that can really take somebody from zero to a hundred overnight without having to make all those mistakes because you already know it and can bring that knowledge to them. And I know that from working with you. Uh, so I would definitely recommend anybody that has an interest in, in taking on like larger step, right? Where they're really going to need to define what that capital stack is, meaning who's that initial investor, who's that equity or what debt component's going to be there. Is there a mez kit component or bridge capital? And somebody like yourself is going to be able to go in there and explain that to them where that makes sense. And then you're going to be able to make those connections without you having to do it all yourself. Right. Yep. Yep. So, so, uh, so going back to something you said earlier, and I won't call them mistakes, but we'll call them lessons learned, right? Because it's a, it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. So, so tell us some of your biggest lessons that you've learned, not necessarily about real estate, but maybe more of as a founder of a business, as a leader of a business organization, what, what are been the biggest lessons you've learned over, you know, over the time? Well, I'd say number one is obviously debt, right? How to use and manage debt. I mean, it's real easy. You know, my son graduates from UCF, University of Central Florida tomorrow, right? I've done oh, real good at teaching him. Thank you. I've done real good at teaching him how to, to manage that and, and, you know, understand that, you know, debt is definitely something, it's a tool, right? It can be good. It can be bad. So that's something I've really, matter of fact, I've written numerous books on the topic. I, as a matter of fact, on, on a lot of financial topics, but specifically the debt, is, you know, you have some people say, oh, well, use debt and then, you know, pay off your cards at the end of the month. And, you know, you're using somebody else's money, OPM. And, 
And that's all great if you're a Marine and you're disciplined and you can do that every single day. But 99% of the people don't have the discipline to sit there and, you know, use debt and then be able to make sure that it doesn't fail and be able to pay all those off. And then, you know, all those things that happen with credit and everything else. I mean, quite frankly, it doesn't matter if you have bad credit. It doesn't matter if the interest rates are high. I probably made some of the most money in my life when I was paying 18% interest, six points, and I had the worst credit on the planet, right? But that was just because I learned those lessons, got out of those. And, and in every single time in the, you know, those 10 year increments, I've learned a little bit more and a little bit more on how to utilize that and how to hold on to it. I like to say it's easy to make money. I made my first million by 30. I lost it by 31, but it was a good year. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, that's probably a story in and of itself, I'm sure. <laughs> Plenty of those. Yeah. What, so, so, you know, what did you do wrong? What would you say, you know, people listening, going out, I want to buy my first deal or I want to launch my, you know, a new company. What are things that you'd say categorically, uh, regardless of time, regardless of industry, things that you look back on and lessons learned, of course, but saying, oh, I wish, I wish I did it a different way. You know, what, what would you say you did wrong? If, if anything, I don't think I did anything wrong because like I was saying, you know, I'm sitting here today, I'm 53 years old. I'll probably make more than I've ever made in the next five years, just because of everything that I did to get here. I would not even be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for all those other things that I did in the past where it may have been a learning exercise, a golden nugget, a mistake, whatever you want to call it, experience, but it took all that to get here. I would say that the biggest issues you have is when you decide to do it, like we were just talking about, you have to do it. You got to be all in. You got to have a plan. You got to have a structure. You got to, you know, create and write down that plan, you know, long-term, short-term goals. If you had all the money and time in the world, what would you do? you'll find out by writing that down that those goals will turn into, those dreams will turn into to long-term goals. And those long-term goals will turn into short-term goals. And then all of a sudden you're accomplishing all of those things, but you got to write it down and you got to be disciplined. I get up every morning at 4.35 o'clock and I'm in the office by 5.30 to the latest. And I work till about 6.30 in the evening. And I, I'm usually in the office seven days a week. And my, you know, I couldn't do what I was doing if it wasn't for you know, such a great wife that I have, Deb and my kids, and they're very supportive and, it allows them to do the things they want, but you have issues when you're doing that. There's, there's times that you're going to be faced with, what did I do? There's no way I can't do it. I can't go any further. I don't have any money. I don't have any resources. I just, I'm going to fail, but no, you'll never fail. As long as you pick up the phone and you call somebody and you talk to somebody, it doesn't matter if it's your brother, sister, cousin, aunt, uncle, it doesn't matter who you call, because what's going to do is that's going to create some thought process. And then you're going to be able to think of other strategies and ideas that you didn't think of that are can't see the forest because of the trees they're right there and so once you do that you start to develop that methodology and that discipline you're going to be running your business and then you're going to be faced with do i bring on more people you know i always try to say do as much as you can but don't be afraid to take that risk to bring on the next person because they're going to have more knowledge more information and you're going to be able to you know quantify what you're doing and duplicate it and continue to get even more done a lot of people in business, Jeff, get stuck with, you know, I can't, I can't bring on any people. You know, I've got this restaurant or I got this business and I just, I don't want any debt. I'm just, and they're stuck. 10 years later, they're saying the same thing. So you got to make a decision. Are you building a business? Are you working the business? Or are you just going to go get a job working nine to five for somebody? Love that. Love that. So, so right now, you know, I guess, I guess I'll ask the last question, but I'll, I'll offer you up a, maybe a plug, but you know, what are you, what are you working on right now? What are you looking for? 
for anyone listening or or those that are shared on this, you know, what what do you what what do you need? Uh, or what's next in your projects? So that that's a that's a compounded question, but I appreciate <laughs> that. It gives me some thought. So I have thought through that and you know, we as we talked about recession and you know, looming recession and inflation, it's not long lived. I mean America's the greatest place on, on earth. And, you know, the American dream is always alive. It's just, you know, maybe a little bit harder than it used to be, but maybe even easier because there's more information at your fingertips. So for us, we're in a good space. We have, you know, a lot of credibility. If I make an offer and I, you know, offer somebody $35 million for their property, tell them I'm going to close in six months, I don't miss and I'll close cash. And so when you can do that, it makes life a little easier for you when you're looking at big properties. So things have become a little easier for us in that respect, but we're also looking at bigger projects. So the margins may be about the same, the project's bigger, so the money gets bigger, sure. uh, but you have to have bigger problems. But so we're looking at more industrial. I mean, we, you know, with, with all of the supply chain issues, Florida has really gone, you know, berserk on space. I mean, Amazon and Best Buy and Walmart you just name it up and down. They're just all over 95 and 75 in the area. And so we have some commercial space. We have some industrial space. I would say that you know, we're always looking for you know, qualified investors, but we don't like very many. You know, we'll bring in a couple of them into a fund that specifically is you know, allocated to certain types of real estate. But other than that, I mean, we're pretty happy. We're pretty excited where we're at. Good, man. I'm genuinely glad to hear that. So James, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I really enjoyed kind of hearing more from you and getting a little bit more detail. And certainly I think that our listeners will too. So I uh, thank you again and, and looking forward to working together more and more over the years. Absolutely, Jeff. Anytime. Anything for you, buddy. I appreciate working with you and happy to help. Thank you for listening to the Fiddleman and Company podcast. If you're interested in how we can help take your business to the next level, please visit us at www.fiddlemanco.com and be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast from whatever channel you're tuning in from.